We're your hosts, Alexa and Melissa. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for another conversation. Alexa and I are just so happy that you're here, and we think you are going to really, really enjoy this conversation. We had the pleasure of interviewing Cece Jones-Davis, and today on the show, you'll hear her talk about just a lot of different things. Um, She talks about how she started Sing for Change, about how her mission is to bring the presence of God into everyday places, how she just does a variety of things, but is an advocate and is um, just working on behalf of the Lord. And it was just a conversation that Alexa and I both just, um, a lot of through the conversation, we're just nodding our heads. You know, I kind of forgot like we were on audio and that you can't hear us nodding our heads, but there was just so many things that we were just like, yes, thank you. And hearing her talk about waiting and just Um, how to be an anti-racist and just kind of touching the surface of that. And um, it was just really powerful. And we're so grateful for Cece and her time. And we hope that after you listen to this podcast, that you can reach out to her and just tell her thanks for being on the show and support her and just support her in the different things she's doing. And maybe um, just find out how you can help and just think about what God might be planning in your heart. So we hope you enjoy this conversation with C.C. Jones-Davis. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are just so excited to have on the show today C.C. Jones-Davis. Can you say hi, C.C.? Hey, everyone. Hi, Hello. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for joining us. For sure. Yes, thank you. So Cece, can you kind of tell us and our listeners just a little bit about you, just kind of where you're from and what you do? I know you have a lot of different titles, so just kind of a background of you. Sure. Well, I am from uh, rural Virginia, and um, I grew up in this really small town, kind of in the middle of nowhere with a twin sister, my parents, and... um, my grandparents were very integral, and um, uh, and I know a lot of people can relate to that. Just how much your 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 granny or your mama, whatever you call them, your nini, your nana, um, the role that they play in our lives. And so my grandparents played a huge role in mine um, growing up. And I just grew up in a really like small, close knit community, um, and where so many good things about little towns like that. Um, you know, the only challenge I, I think I remember really well was that my town growing up in the 80s was still very segregated. Um, mm-hmm. My town happened to be um, a, a, a large, historically back in the day, um, was, one, was the largest uh, slaveholding county in the state of Virginia. And so um, there were a lot of plantations. There was a long history of um, you know enslavement, civil rights, et cetera. And so, so some of those sentiments still kind of lingered, you know, how some places seem to advance just a little bit faster than others. Yeah. Um, while I grew up among amazing people, there was that element of segregation um, for me growing up in the 80s um, that really helped me um, 
understand. Um, I probably gave me a good foundation for the work I'm doing now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and some of the things my grandparents went through, et cetera. But overall, I, I had like the best childhood, you know, um, my mother is a retired school teacher. Uh, my father went to school to teach, but then realized he would choke a child. So he <laughs> decided that he needed to be relate a to that. <laughs> yeah, he decided he needed to be a landscaper and stay outside. And that's what he did, and he did a great job at that. And then so me and my twin, we went to Howard University in DC, where I majored in sociology because I was always really fascinated by people and how people work and um, systems and things like that. And then after that, I went to uh, Yale for divinity school. So I studied theology and sacred music there. Um, and during that time, I really got a, a good sense that my particular calling in the world was to serve God in, in the way of social justice ministry. So um, you know, doing my best to, to, you know, allow God to illuminate issues or problems for me, um, that he would want me to do something about, and then try my best to do something about those things. Hmm. So you wear a lot of hats. We already discussed that. So you are a speaker, a reverend, entrepreneur, worship artist, out of all those things, that's just to name a few out of all of those things. Um, which one right now takes priority in your life or which one are you the most passionate about right now? Mm -hmm. You know, I think the one, it's really funny because it depends, you know, everybody is multifaceted, you know, whether we realize it or not, all of us are multifaceted. None of us are only do one thing. Right. Right. And so I've always thought of myself as a person that has one voice with three expressions. You know, I'm a speaker, I'm an advocate, and I'm a a worship artist, right? And out of that speaking comes like the preaching stuff and all of that. Uh But it really depends on where you are in your life and what is going on in your environment to kind of which gift arises and takes the forefront. And at this time in my life, um, I'm... I'm an advocate and the most work that I do is around advocacy work um, and, and, and social issues. Um, I, I, I used to do so much more with music than what I do now, uh, but in this season, um, God has just called me to, to really kind of focus and hone in on, on a lot of advocacy issues. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, I think right now is the perfect time yeah. for more advocates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And can you talk about that? Like when you say um, just advocacy, like, can you give some specific examples or is there? Yeah. Absolutely. And I, let me go back and tell your listeners, I, I consider myself I, or I at least aspire to be an advocate. Um, I don't, a, a lot of people would refer to me as an activist. Um, and I, I think that that applies, right? But I also know that the word activist is scary for a lot of people when they hear the word activist, they, you know, like these ideas about who a person is kind of take over somebody's mind. So there's nothing wrong with being called an activist. It's just that um, there's a lot of negative connotations that can come along with that term. And so as a Christ follower, what I'm 
what I want to do more and more is be like Christ and he is what the great advocate. And so I'm striving to be an advocate. And what I see, what I think about advocacy, you know, um, an advocate is a person who stands in the middle of a road somewhere and hears what's going on on one side and translates it to another, to the people or the institutions that can actually do something about, about what the issue is on the other side of the street. Um, and so in my mind, an advocate is kind of the middleman to, re- yeah. to reason and, and be at the table with, with people and to try to solve problems. Um, in this particular, you know, I started out advocacy work and actually when I was in seminary, I started advocacy work um, in HIV AIDS ministry. And that was, I have to tell you, that was, you talk about a deep dive and (laughs) that was a deep dive and it was really, really scary um, for me. But I, um, I was in seminary and I had always been struck. Do you guys remember the Ryan White story? The, the little boy, I forget what, what, um, I forget what state he was in, but anyway, he had contracted HIV through blood transfusion in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I think it's Indiana. I think so too. I think you're right. I think you're right. I'd be wrong, but yeah. Oh, that's right. And so he contracted HIV. And I remember watching his, he was a kid. I was a kid when the story was, was out, right? And I remember watching it on TV when it came out and, and, and seeing him, and you, I'll take you guys way back, seeing him on Donahue. Like I remember being home from school and watching him on Donahue and something about him just always stuck with me. And so um, as I was feeling pulled toward advocacy work, um, I started to volunteer at an AIDS hospice in Connecticut. And it was the scariest thing ever because I didn't know anything about it. And I, you know, I just was really ignorant. And so, but I had to kind of, I had to do a deep dive. I had to just put myself there, right? And then learn all the things that I needed to learn. And that's what we have to do sometimes, right? We are ignorant, right? About a lot of different things. And we just have to Mm -hmm. take a deep breath and put ourselves in the environment and get a crash course as we live, right? Among other Mm -hmm. people. And so um, that experience really did break my heart for people who are living in the margins in some way. You know, people who are alone, people who are poor, people who are hurting, um, people who are just suffering in silence in some ways. And um, so that was really um, the thing that, that brought me in. Ryan White's story brought me into um, advocacy. And then over, over time, um, the issues that I focus on always has to do with a person like a person always brings me into an issue I'm not a person that wakes up in the morning and I'm like oh I'm so tired about what is going on with the whales let me go figure (laughs) figure out what's happening with whales you know I'm a person (laughs) I'm a person who I see somebody's story like Ryan's or Mm -hmm. I read an article and I you know, uh, like in 2014, I read an article in the Huffington Post about girls in Zimbabwe who did not have proper sanitation. So they did not have proper feminine hygiene products. And so they weren't able to go to school and they were using all these kind of crazy 
things and you know as a substitute and it was it was wrecking those things were wrecking their reproductive system mm. and I, you know those kinds of things I never thought about and so as a result I started doing advocacy around what we call menstrual health you know just making sure that girls understand uh, what's going on and and have access to um, feminine hygiene um, yeah. And that kind of thing. And so it's always, it's always a story that brings me into an issue. And right now in Oklahoma, I'm working in criminal justice reform. Um, lots of people, you know, that might, might recognize my name would associate me with a young man named Julius Jones, who I'm working to see, see if we can get him off death row. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing that. And, um, it's really rewarding work. You know, advocacy is very rewarding work, but you have to be careful. You have to be careful because um, you can get a savior complex really quickly, you know, um, mm. and sometimes you don't know when to retire the superwoman cape. Um, and then you, you always crash against the wall and that wall is God. And God says, this was me all the time. I don't know, like, why you're over here spinning your wheels, like, just have a seat, you know, because you've done what you can do up to this point. Now, sit down and let me give you some more information. So, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's like, God's planting those seeds with you, like, you know, mm -hmm. with Ryan yeah. White, you know, like, different, like, he was planting the seeds even that long ago. That's right. That's exactly right. See, do you know how we say so much um, and we mean it, you know, when we say, God, break our hearts for the things that break yours. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have had my heart broken a lot about a lot of different things, you know, and I realized that I can't do, I can't do everything. None of us can do everything, right? But we can all do something about something. You know, my issue might not be your issue. You might not be passionate about what I'm passionate about, but if we all break off a piece of problem in the world, you know, we can get yeah. something done. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And just, oops, sorry. Yeah. And just educating ourselves on things mm -hmm. like what you said. I mean, things you don't know that are happening in the world. Right. Just educating yourself. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. And that's, that's what it takes, you know, it takes you um, being, having enough genuine curiosity mm -hmm. to, to explore, you know, cause sometimes, you know, we'll see something and we'll say, oh, that's so sad, you know, and then we'll just kind of turn the page or mm -hmm. um, we'll change the channel. And sometimes we have to do that for self-care. Don't get me wrong. Like sometimes, you know, you can't, um, you know, there's a, there is a, a compassion fatigue is a very real thing. And sometimes you do have to turn the dial down so that you can survive, right? Because, I mean, there's a problem everywhere you turn, if you, you know, mm -hmm. um, if, you're hyper, if you're a hypersensitive person. So, um, but, you know, but we have to be in tuned enough to have a curiosity about, what's going on around us about the world and then just be willing to um, search it out. You know what I mean? Figure out what, what it's all about. And sometimes you don't, you know, when, when you're called to something, 
you don't know, you don't, you, there's no way for you to know what all that you need to know from the shoreline. You know, you have to go out, you have to get out there. And that's sometimes a really scary thing, but um, it's, yeah. ne- you know, sometimes it's really necessary. At least that's been for me. Yes. Hmm. Well, and Cece, um, something that I saw you post about was how you have monthly devotionals. Mm-hmm. And so, um, cause you said on Twitter, my mission to bring the presence of God into everyday places. I'm flawed and grateful for the redemptive love of Jesus, because I would be nothing if it weren't for him. Mm-hmm. If you want to know more and you want an exclusive monthly devotional, hit me up at ccjonesdavis.com. Yeah. Um, but I just love the, I mean, I love that quote, you know, what you said and just about how we are flawed, mm-hmm. um, but we're nothing without him and with his love. And, mm-hmm. um, but then I'm just curious about your monthly devotions, you know, like where's, um, can you just tell us like, if someone were to sign up for that, you know, what can they expect from it? Yeah. You know, um, well, first of all, if you, if you sign up, go to the website, uh, ccjonesdavis.com and you can subscribe there. And, um, every month you will get a newsletter that'll kind of give you a breakdown about what I've been up to any podcasts I've been a part of any, um, any, you know, any things I've been really doing that, um, that I think would interest people. And then I include a devotion. Um, and it's really just a writing that um, that's really authentic and from my heart in the moment. Like I would never, I, I wouldn't ever be able to write months. I don't think anyway, I don't think I'd be able to write months in ahead, you know, mm-hmm. months ahead because whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm learning, whatever I'm processing, you know, in a, in a given time, I feel like there must be others that can relate to what this is or how, mm-hmm. I, how this feels, or yeah. there must be somebody that needs to hear a word uh, that I've needed to hear. And so I just write around that. I, write, I literally sit and think about what is going on in life right now. And I write about that because I know that there's got to be lots of people that can relate to whatever I'm experiencing. But what I'm hoping that people get out of the devotion is an encouragement for that month, you know what I mean? Whether it's about peace or thriving or being still or Lent, this Lenten season or whatever it is about. My, the goal of the devotion is just to give people just a little bit of a boost to welcome the new month and um, hopefully be just a little encouraged to, um, to think about something new, to you know, face the challenges ahead with just a little yeah. bit more courage, you know, what, whatever, that, whatever it is for people. Yeah. Well, and thank you for, um, you know, like I think that's so important to share what you think like, oh, I wonder if anyone else is feeling this because I feel like that's when the enemy is like, no one else feels this way. Like you're mm-hmm. alone, you know, and tries mm-hmm. to close you off and Absolutely. doesn't want us having community and talking mm-hmm. about those things that others, you know, like that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So something you started um, is Sing for Change. Can you tell us a little bit about that and um, what's your inspiration there? Yep. Um, Sing for Change is my nonprofit. Um, My family, all of our kind of philanthropic work um, kind of funnels through Sing for Change. And so um, the mission of Sing for Change as a nonprofit is to mobilize um, thoughtful and compassionate um, people of faith in social engagement. And so really what that means is, I mean, it's really broad, right? But really what that means is we want, I particularly want people of faith to feel like they are a part of contributing in significant ways, making impact um, and engaging in social issues. I think that's really, really important for believers more and more, you know, as we believe we, as Jesus was, so are we in the world. I think it's so important that we realize that we do have something powerful to contribute to the stuff that's going on around us, you know? Um, And, you know, uh, and I'm biased, you know, I believe that Jesus is powerful. And so, um, you know, we, you know, we can't, we can't hold that power within ourselves and just hoard it. We've got to, we've got to go out and, and do things with that power. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's what Sync for Change is about. And um, I did a lot of things. I named it Sync for Change. You asked me about the inspiration. So one night I was watching a documentary and it was about, um, this was in 2007. I was watching a documentary it was about children in Africa. It was, uh, it, was, it was about the AIDS crisis. It was about children in Sub-Saharan Africa who had been orphaned, right, because of AIDS. And these little children were singing the song in like Swahili or some, some dialect. And um, when it was translated, the song said, many have died, but we are alive. What can we do for Jesus? And man, I just, I just, I could have rolled out of the bed. You know, I just, I just had never seen children who are eating literally rice or potatoes twice a day for months and months and months and months. That's all they eat. Yeah. Who don't have shoes. But these kids were so joyful and singing and happy. And to know that those words translated that many have died, but we are alive. What can we do, man? That thing broke my heart. And so I, I asked the question, Lord, what in the what what can I do? And I felt like I'm I'm one of those people who believe that God really does speak to people, right? And so God said to me, Well, Cece, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a, I mean, you know, I sing. He said, well, we'll sing for change. So a couple of days later, I started the, the incorporation process for Sing for Change. And we've just been raising money over time for people with AIDS in particular cities. We've been doing things around women and girls issues with menstrual management. Um, and we're out here just trying to do the, any, anything um, that kind of fits within our umbrella that blesses other people. We're just trying to to mobilize people of faith and to do and doing good social engagement work. 
And so if someone wants to help or be a part of that, what do they do? Like, are you looking for help or, you know, but absolutely. You can go to my website, ccjonesdavis.com and uh, you can donate there. It's tax deductible. Um, And we, you know, we would definitely appreciate donations. Um, And, you know, one of the things that's important to me, I grew when I was growing up, there was a man in our town who was like really, really wealthy. Uh, his name was Sterling Edmonds. And as a part of his like missionary work, um, he would go around to people who weren't so well off. And my grandmother was one of those people. She didn't have a lot. And Mr. Edmonds um, was a, a, a white gentleman whose family actually um, owned some of my ancestors, but our families had always maintained um, close relationships. And so my grandmother was was getting much, much older and he would come and put $25 in her mailbox every every week. Um, And some days, some, some weeks he would come in the house and he would give it to her. And when he would give it to her, he would say, Lee, her name, he called her Lee. Her name was Leola. Lee, I give this to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And no matter what he did, that is what that is how he signed off on anything he did in our town. If he gave you a popsicle, it was, I give this to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that's something as a kid that always stuck with me. It was so powerful. And so anything that Sing for Change does, I do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, like Mr. Sterling did. Mm, and that's um, sweet. and um, yeah, so that's what we do. It's beautiful. It is. Um, so Cece, I um, listened to you on Jen Hatmaker's podcast. So that's ha- kind of how like I, we became more familiar with you and it was very good. And I highly recommend everyone to go listen to that conversation um, on Jen Hatmaker's podcast. But one thing you talked about on there, and I would love for you to share here with our listeners was about waiting. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you just share what waiting means and not just with like our faith, um, but in like during this pandemic, you know, because we're in this weird time too, but just in general, Mm because waiting can be very hard (laughs) when you're waiting for something. And man, have we been waiting, haven't we? Like this year has been a whole heck of a lot of waiting. And I don't know about everybody else, but I'm a little bit tired of all the waiting we've been doing mm-hmm. yes. last yeah. March. But, but waiting, a lot of people think that standing still, waiting is passive. When actually waiting is a very active activity. It takes a lot of will takes a lot of effort it takes a lot of control to wait right Mm -hmm. and and really in my mind waiting is about having a very excellent assurance that God is working when I am not when I am still God is moving Mm -hmm. and I can't always see that right? right I can't always sense that I can't always feel that but waiting is not passive it is me being still knowing that things believing that things and believing is a task right believing is an action 
right? So I'm doing something. I might not be twiddling my thumbs. I might not be moving my feet, but I'm, I am doing something. I am believing. And that is a huge thing, mm-hmm. right? And so um, waiting is powerful. Waiting keeps us from moving too fast into things that we're not ready for. Mm. Waiting helps us to have clarity of mind before we take another step. Waiting helps us to not say the wrong thing, something we would never be able to really take back. Waiting is waiting is one of the most powerful things that we can do. Now, I think with waiting, what we pray for is a strong sense of discernment. And by grace over time, we learn discernment in the Mm -hmm. process of waiting because there's a time to do nothing at all. And then there's a time to do something. And only you can know by, by the movement of God in your life, if you have a history with God, and that's why it's very important to have a history with God, because that's the only reason, that's the only real way you know when God is speaking to you, if you've heard that, heard, heard God before, right? Yeah. It's the only real way that you know, you have to train your ear that God is really speaking to you about something. Um, and so we have to have a discernment to know that we, we're waiting now. And then when we get a green light, then we move in a direction. And sometimes we'll get stuck on waiting because we, not because God has, hasn't said, okay, now I need you to go do this. We get stuck on waiting because we're afraid, right? Afraid to do, to take the step. We're afraid to do the thing that God has said to do. And so I just wanted to balance that out, that waiting is very powerful. If you don't have a strong sense of discernment, waiting can also be a crutch for us to um, call waiting what is really being fearful and not doing anything. And so it's important to, to understand what it actually is to have a, a sense of discernment attached to it, and then to be willing to, to, to move in a direction once the waiting is over. I feel like your words apply to so many areas in my life right now, <laughs> like so many areas. And just hearing, you know, you explain waiting in, in a different way. Mm. It makes me really reflect. Yeah. Mm. About things that are happening in my life. I understand. I, I'm just going to have to like replay just like, <laughs> you know, like, it's just like, yeah, like Alexa said, like just so much not to process, but kind of, you know, just to like think differently about it, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like, especially in today, like, it's just like, go, 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 go. And like, go get, you know, like, so it's um, just kind of, I don't know, not refreshing, but nice to hear just like your yeah your words you're just much better with words than we are (laughs) (laughs) and your explanation yes um so we had a few listeners um want to ask you some questions um anthony j asked what upcoming projects can we mark our calendars for well i will give a shameless plug for my album that is out 
Um, I do have an album called Alive. Yeah. And it is on all digital platforms. So run out, get alive. I hope there's at least one song on there that really speaks to you. Um, Upcoming, I have lots of things. I have um, working on some, I've been doing anti-racism trainings um, um, a lot over the last year and a half. Um, I am taking it up to anti-racism training 2.0 over the next uh, several months. So I'm working on that. And I'm working on a project to, um, to do some pretty nifty menstrual education to um, young girls um, between the ages of, of 10 and 15. So I'm excited about that. Um, and um, you know, what other projects have I'm working on? I'm just trying to get a sofa, guys. That's the truth. You know, I moved into a new house and I needed a new sofa. And because of COVID, like all this, like you can't get a sofa. Like now they won't, there's not, there's nothing. So I ordered, or you can get one, but it takes four or five months. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I ordered a sofa and this was like, I was desperate. So this was like, you know, three, two months ago, three months mm-hmm. ago, something like that. And they said I wasn't going to have it until the end of May. Oh my so I am, ha- I'm in a house with no sofa and I'm just, I'm about to lose my mind. And so I just found another sofa that's not exactly what I want, but doggone it, I can sit on it and put my that's feet true. up. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I bought that sofa today and I canceled that other order. <laughs> I, what project am I going to be working on? Getting that sofa in this house in the, in, the, in the next week or two and sitting on it. That's what I'm going to be doing. And so you got it today. So are they delivering it soon or like it's. Well, so they said that it would be here by the 15th. I am hoping and praying that it's here. Well, for the 15th, but it's the 15th of the 15th is much better than the end of May. So yeah. I'll take it. Oh man, I've heard about that. And my in-laws ordered, they renovated their whole living space. And I mean, they still don't have their furniture yet. They're sitting on lawn chairs. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's the pits. It's a problem. Yeah. Oh, Mm -mm. well, here's hoping it comes soon. Yeah. Pray pray for it girls. I'm going to need this stuff to come on through here. Um, another listener, Emily M asked, and you kind of, um, spoke that this is kind of a project you're working on. How can someone from a small white rural town help the problem of racial injustice? Mm-hmm. That's I mean, and even not just a small town, I mean, just any white people, how can we help yeah. racial injustice? I love that question. And I appreciate that question. You know, first I come from a, a small white town. And so I, I understand exactly kind of the anxiety of kind of how how tough it is to ask or to talk about uh, race, you know, in particular areas in the country. So I, I, I really get that. Um, here's what I would say first. I think it's really important that people get well read. And if you're not a big reader, go to Audible and listen to books. But it is so important to understand some of these terminologies that we hear like in our culture, just kind of, you know, 
thrown out, but people really don't maybe know what they mean. Yeah. Like for example, anti-racism, right? Anti-racism is taking it a step further. It's not, it's not saying, oh, I'm not a racist. Anti-racism is saying, I'm not a racist and I'm going to participate as best as I can in creating a less racist society around me. Okay. Anti-racism is about a participation in a process. Now it's messy, it's ugly sometimes, it's gory, but you in the battle. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to contribute something. That's what it means to be an anti-racist. Somebody that says, no, I, we're not gonna tolerate this and we're gonna do something about it as best to our ability. Yeah. So um, I would recommend that people read, first of all, or and listen. Do you have to- some recommendations of books to read? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, that's a very good book. Um, breaks down a lot of great terminologies. You know, excuse me, one book that I read recently that has really been awesome is White Too Long. Mm. And I know that there are um, that there are t- there are book titles out here that are really kind of brass and kind of maybe triggering for some people like white too long or white fragility because the title itself almost feels like an attack. What I want people to understand as you learn about what we're talking about around racism and anti-racism is that this is not about white people. This is about whiteness. And whiteness is something that we all struggle with you, me, and everything else. Whiteness is a way of teaching that this is the way everything should be. This is the way everything should look. This is the way everything should talk. This is how everybody's hair should be. This is the way everything should be because this is what whiteness is. And we all fall prey as Americans, as as people who have been in um, colonized societies, whatever, it is a pro- it is a problem among us all, white, black, native, everybody, right? And so, I want people to lean into the issues by taking up some books, White Fragility, uh, White Too Long, which talks about a lot about religion, about Christianity, and what role it has played in in racism. Excellent, excellent book. Um, Cast, C-A-S-T-E, excellent book. Um, So these are just a few. And then, you know, there's so many documentaries um, about the civil rights movement. I really advise people to watch the series called Eyes on the Prize. It's old, but you can find it on YouTube, Eyes on the Prize. It's got got at least eight, eight different parts to it, six or eight parts. But it, it gives you a, a good history because see, if you don't really understand the history and rem- you got to remember that histories, two things can be true at one time. You can have an experience as you live out your life, as your family lives out their lives, as your whole lineage lives out its life. And that lineage, can, that history can be very true. And I can be living my life with my family and my lineage and it all be true, but they're very different. Yeah. And so understanding 
racism is about under uh, understanding and leaning into what is what is one one very true history in the United States, particularly that we have not uh, that we've been avoiding for a very long time. But it but but because the roots are deep, you see you still see the fruit. So we're going to keep seeing the fruit until we understand the roots. What are people really mad about? What are people really talking about? What is it that, that, that is really making people um, take to the streets? What, what is this about? And until we get a real genuine uh, curiosity about it, then we look very like apathetic, like what people have gone through, what they've experienced just don't matter because it doesn't affect us, right? Anti-racism works against that kind of idea. Hmm. And it does not, and it does, it's not about shame. It's not about guilt. I don't think there's, I don't think anybody needs to carry shame. Anybody needs to carry guilt. It's about, listen, our people brought us this far. Now we have a responsibility to move the ball forward. How much more forward can we move the ball? And then our kids will have be responsible for the ball. So then they're going to have to move it uh, even more forward. So it's about how, how or what role are we playing and moving the ball in the direction to have a more whole, peaceful, um, equitable society. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We are called to love like Jesus. So how do you think Jesus would love if he were physically here in this world today? And how should we strive to live like that? Mm, mm, mm. What a question. You know, I think that Jesus would and is very concerned, would be and is very concerned about the issues of racism. Yeah. I think he would be, would be and is very concerned about the issue of mass incarceration in this country and throughout the world. I think that he would be and is very concerned about the status of girls and women around the world who still in some cultures aren't worthy to get an education, to go to school. Um, you know, I, I've been watching this series and it is such a sad series on YouTube called Soft White Underbelly. Have you guys heard of this? Uh -uh. Yeah. I just learned about it last week and I cannot stop watching. It is about the, the pe people who live on the margins particularly in areas in like um, metropolitan areas like Skid Row in LA, right? Oh. Skid Row is that like mm -hmm. historical homeless, I don't know if you call it a neighborhood, I don't really know, but so it's like these interviews with these homeless people, with prostitutes, with pimps, with um, just all drug addicts, just people who are pushed to the margins, living in intense and skid row, but have a story. And their stories are so strange and crazy and powerful. And I just think Jesus would be down there on skid row, you know? Yeah. I do. I just, I just think he would be on skid row um, dealing with what you and me could not even think about wrapping our minds around, <laughs> you, you know? Yeah. How to help, how to help people. So, I mean, th those are the things that I would imagine he would be doing. 
And, and let me say this. I say would and is. He would be doing it and he is doing it. I say that because I feel like these things would not be even on our radar if God, if they were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Right. As hard and difficult as they are, you think about how much right now we're talking about race, how much right now we're talking about the criminal justice system, right? I don't believe they would be, this stuff would be on our radars the ways that they are if it were not for God. Hmm. I don't. I think we would still be blind, but it's like scales. He allows scales to fall from our eyes every now and then to see like in vivid color, the problem or a big problem that he's like, wake up. Hello. Do something about this. You know, Mm -hmm. I I totally think it's a God. I totally do. And I, and I know it's not roses. I know it's not, you know, I, I know it's not roses, but God doesn't all don't talk through roses, you know. I, you know, I think sometimes God talks through jail bars and sirens and all kinds of things mm-hmm. to get our attention and to let us know where his focus is. If if God's focus wasn't on some of this stuff now, I don't believe a lot of our focus would be on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me go back to earlier in our conversation when we were talking about how he kind of plants the seed you know like you're saying like how now like paying attention to things he's bringing to your mind Mm -hmm. there's a reason even you know yeah Mm -hmm. well in right now in real time and this will be published next week after easter but leading up to easter Mm -hmm. (laughs) um just how are you preparing for this Holy Week? Do you do anything, I don't want to say special, well, I don't know, special, mm-hmm. or is there anything that, any practices that just preparing for Easter? You know, no, I'm not doing anything. Um, I'm not preparing, you know, I'm just, I'm just intentionally uh, living in it, you know, um, doing I'll tell you this, doing the work of justice requires, like you have to, if you're, if you're in this kind of work, this kind of ministry, you, you, you are convinced of the resurrection. You know, way in the world you'd be out here trying to move these kind of stones if you didn't think the power, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead also lived in you. No way in the world <laughs> you would be out here doing crazy things that, you know, some of the things that I'm trying to, accomplished um, with the help of God. So I'm not doing anything special leading up to um, Easter this year. Um, And, you know, I'm going to say something that might sound sad. It might sound bad. I don't know. But I'm not even terribly excited about Easter Hmm. this year. And I think it's because on such a regular basis, I'm confronted with really hard things that I have to I have to rest and believe in the power of a resurrected God mm-hmm. to do something about. 
And so it almost, because that's my, because that's my regular reality, it's almost like it takes the, it's almost like it takes something out of the Easter thing for me. It's like, no, I, I, I saw that power move last month. <laughs> I saw that power move eight months ago because it's no way we could have done that. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you work in dark spaces um, and you have to believe God for really big things on a regular basis, a day celebration means a little bit less. And I don't know how that sounds to people, but I believe in the resurrection. And if if it wasn't for it, I, I it's no way I could have been, I could still be alive. It's no way I could still be thriving. It's no way I could still have any form of humor um, because I really do on a regular basis walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So, yeah. Thank you for your honesty. I mean, and that's, yeah, that just like earlier when you were talking about the waiting, it's just like, that is just, um, I don't even know. I just kind of feel speech, you know, like it just gives me a new perspective to think about mm-hmm. Easter. Mm-hmm. I know you touched based on some of the pro- the upcoming projects you were talking about, but just kind of looking into <clears throat> the rest of 2021, um, do you have any professional goals or personal goals that you're you're striving for? Besides your sofa. Besides the sofa. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of try to break my year up and and think about things in kind of quarters, right? Mm-hmm. And I am hoping that by the summertime some of the heavy lifts that I've been doing around like criminal justice reform. And I've been doing actually working on a project to raise awareness about um, um, COVID and make sure that people at least have an education around kind of what's available in terms of vaccinations and all of that. Yeah. I've been working on that, uh, on that. And so I anticipate all that being over by the end of June. And it just dawned on me like yesterday that I probably need to rest over the summertime, you know? Um, So I'm thinking about not doing, not like, not doing anything too snazzy for like July and August, you know? Self-care could be your goal. (laughs) That's the goal. I think that's the goal. I do. I, I, I think that might be it. That sounds really nice. That does. And so as we start to wrap up, Cece, and we're so grateful for you and your time and your honesty, um, is there any author, person, social media in, influence or anyone that you're following these days that you're like, hey, you guys should go check them out too? Just anyone you're really enjoying? Hmm. You know, I you know I'll go back to uh, soft white underbelly on YouTube. Okay. Um, I, now it's it's a hard show. You know what I mean. You do have to have a stomach. You know, but it does give you such a sense of 
what other people are going on, what's going on in other people's lives that you would just normally kind of pass by on the street. Mm-hmm. Or you wouldn't probably even be in their neighborhood. You know what I mean? So you wouldn't pass them by on the street. But it, I, I, it, it gives you a good sense of just the humanity of people, even when they're in like terrible situations. So I would recommend people watch, you know, yeah. take a dose, dose or two of that. There's so many great social media influencers out here, but there's nobody in particular right now that yeah, that's fine uh, that I'm following. But I, that that YouTube channel is definitely something that I would recommend. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And Cece, something we like to ask ask our um, guests on our show after a long busy day, what's something you do to unwind and take care of you? Mm-hmm. I get in the bed and turn on Netflix (laughs) and I try to find the funniest thing that I can possibly find. That is me. Let me tell you who is hilarious. It is this guy on Netflix. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you what his name is, but um, his comedy show, his first one was called the Tennessee kid. Oh my gosh. I just watched that. Are you- what isn't he hilarious? Is it is it Nate? Nate yes. or Nathan? Yes, something? I'm about to find him. It's Nate oh. um, Bargatze. Yes, it's a different last name. I yes. just watched that. I thought he was hilarious. Oh my gosh! And then he just came out with another one, guys. In the midst of COVID, that's on Netflix. It's called The Greatest. Let's see, The Greatest Average American. Oh my gosh. It's so funny. He's hilarious. Is that one on Netflix? Yep. That one's on Netflix too. Oh, I'll have to watch that one. And then there's also another comedian on an Italian comedian named Sebastian. I forget Sebastian's last name. Oh my gosh. I mean, he will have you crying laughing. He's just so that's what I'm looking for. And so, so my end of day is to lay there and cry laughing <laughs> yeah that's what i do mm-hmm. it's good for the soul it, it really is, is. It, is. it is it really is that's what i need okay mm-hmm. good i'm gonna have to check that out mm-hmm. awesome well cc can you just share um where our listeners can find you and all of this <laughs> <laughs> So people can visit me or contact me through my website, ccjonesdavis.com. Um, and then all my social media handles on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook are the same, ccjonesdavis, C-E-C-E, uh, Jones Davis. So listen, thank you all for having me. I, I don't take this for granted and I just appreciate it so much. Thank you and thank you. Thank you. Answering our questions. We know we had a lot and just being honest and um just patient with us trying to process everything. <laughs> you know, like I said, we're I'm gonna have to like go back through and like re-listen and take note, you know, and just process. So thank you. I mean, we yeah. really appreciate your time and everything you're doing for I mean, you're doing so many things. Like I'm excited to support you and to go find out more and just how to support sing for change or just especially when you were talking about the women um just needing the appropriate menstrual you know education like that's just something I wouldn't have thought about right right me either (laughs) you know until 2014 
but it's a big problem. And we'll talk about that on another episode, but it is a huge problem. And yeah, I'm glad to be trying to do something practical to help. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you're, you're doing amazing things. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, so thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, Cece. Take care. Thank y'all. Thank you. Bye. Bye.